0: All those fathers out there and those who are in the auditorium, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Be blessed and be lifted up and, you know, um, be excited. You have fathered a child, and your child, um, some, they're too young to be able to wish you a happy Father's Day, but we are letting you know that you're appreciated and you're loved so this morning our reading is taken from Psalm 34 and I'm going to give you a chance to to find it usually I just read, go ahead and read but I'm going to give you a chance to find it And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivers me from all my fear. They look upon him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. The, this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard. He saved him out of his troubles. Angels of the Lord encamp it around those who fear him. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O oh, fear the Lord, all you saints. This is no want of those who fear him. The young lion may lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and and love many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and per- pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth the righteous cry out and the Lord hears he delivers them out of their troubles the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and save such as contrite spirit many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him from them all guard all you he guards all your bone his bones and no one will be broken. Let me read that over. He guards all his bones, not one is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous be, shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servant. And those who trust in him, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. This morning, Lord, we want to give you thanks. We want to praise you. We want to honor you, Lord God, not just with our lips, but with our lives, O oh God. May we surrender afresh this morning. Lord Jesus, we pray for all those who are fathers right now. We want to just pray over their lives that you will keep them in perfect peace, that your hand will be upon them, that you would guide them, that you would prosper them, that you would bless them. Oh, Lord, that you would bless them indeed with wisdom as they, they, they try to grow their children, all who are listening and all who will listen after. Father God, we invite you into this place. We invite you into this auditorium. Lord, we say, have your own way. We come against any principalities and powers that would seek to block our worship, and we bind you in Jesus' name. The word of God says, anything that I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we bind principalities and power. We bind the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of discouragement, the spirit of of confusion. We bind you in Jesus' name. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and take control over this service. And you would just be loose and have free flow. May we succumb to you as you teach us how to worship, as you teach us how to to, to, to to lift up your name, to glorify you, we pray that our eyes will be on you, the good, good Father. You are the Father who loves us beyond imagination, and so you sent your Son because you loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, lord may we remember this love over and over again may we meditate on this love may we glorify you let no flesh glory in your presence we come before you lord and we thank you and we lift up hands of praise giving you praise holy spirit as you teach us how to worship come into this place and have your own way let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in jesus name you indeed lord are faithful and you're good you are our good good father Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are the good, good Father. We bless your name. Lord, just come into this place even now. We adore you, Lord Jesus. We lift you up. We magnify your name. You alone, O oh Lord, are worthy to be praised. Lord, we surrender to you afresh this morning. Lord, have your own way in this place. We bless you, mighty King. We humble ourselves before you and we recognize, Lord God, you alone are God. Thank you, Jesus. You are indeed the good, good Father. The
1: dead of night and to sure.
2: so this morning I pray for God's healing and comfort for those who mourn their dad this morning. And I also pray for God's healing and comfort for those who have lost a child this morning. And this morning is wondering, am I truly a dad when my child is gone? But today I hope that you will be reminded more than ever before that God loves you. God appreciates you. And God is saying to you, I have given you other children that you can father. You can become a father to your nephews and your nieces and even to those who are on the road. And so, we just ask the Lord this morning to just come and be that comforter. To just come and be that one this morning who truly understands place that you are this morning. I thank God that he demonstrates for us over and over what a good father is and that he sets a model and a standard that the truth is if we are to look at him as a father, we would know what it is to be loved by a father and for the fathers around us would also understand what it is to be a father. This morning, The title of my message is Trusting God Even in the Fire. And I'll basically I'll be going to and fro from Daniel 3, from Daniel chapter 1 to chapter 3, to and fro going in. I may not read a particular um, set of scriptures but I'll be going to and fro and I just pray that you'll be able to travel with me and just to see what God is saying to us this morning. My question to you today is, who likes to suffer and go through trials? Is there anyone this morning who says, I love to suffer, I love to be persecuted, I love to have trials, I, 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 I find comfort in having troubles, I joy in it? None of us like to face times of trials or sufferings. Our trials and sufferings feel sometimes like you're actually going through fire. And the thing about these trials and these sufferings is that they come in various intensity and forms. Some of times they feel like they're there for a lifetime. It's like, when will this ever end? But most and what I realize that the first thing if you're not careful, your suffering or trial will distract you from what God has called you to do. And sometimes during this time you may ask God, like some person may ask God this morning, why did you take my father? Or why don't I have children to be a father to? Or why aren't my children with me? So that I can be a father to them. Why me, Lord? Why did I, what did I do to deserve this? Do you care about me, Lord? If you had cared, you would have prevented this suffering. But this morning, I want to assure you that the good God, the good Father, cares. For every trial and suffering you face, he has the ability He has the power and love to work with us to bring out the best end result. And so last week we looked at Jeremiah speaking to the people of Judah and he said to them, turn, he urged them to turn from their lives of disobedience and idolatry and turn to God. And we see in in Daniel 1 this morning where after King Uzziah died, which, well, this is basically going back also in 2 Kings 23, that after King Uzziah died, Uzziah died, the people of Judah went back to their evil ways and practices, trusting in false gods and forming alliances with other nations such like Egypt and Assyria. They no longer trusted in God. And despite being urged and warned by the prophets and especially prophet Jeremiah and Ezekiel to turn from their sins or face the impending judgment that would befall them they didn't the people of Judah refused to heed God's warning but further hardened their hearts towards him and this provoked God to anger God always settles our count And so what he did, he says, because I had promised you that this would befall you if you did not turn and repent. And so God came and the warning was sent out before, but judgment would surely come. If God says, I am going to do that, if you don't, trust me, God is going to do that. He doesn't change his mind. And he gave them a conditional judgment. He said, if you turn and repent, I will not judge you. But if you don't, judgment will be your portion. And surely judgment came to the people of Judah. They refused to repent and trust in God. And what they did, they hardened their hearts against him. God promised to hand them over. And their wealth and treasures to King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who would enslave them in Babylon, in Babylonia, for 70 years. The promised judgment had a desired outcome. God says, When you go, if you repent, I will come and deliver you from captivity, and I'll bring you back to your land. But if you do not repent, Those who continue to disobey and rebel against him will become like wasteland in Babylon. They will be barren and unfruitful. But he said, Those whose hearts are confidently trusting him and those who look to him with confidence, he says, you will flourish and you'll have abundant strength even in captivity. So we saw two sets of people going into captivity those who are going in because their hearts were hardened. They were idolatrous. They had rebelled against God and those who were going in not because of what they did but because it was the entire country God was judging. In the third year Daniel tells us now, Daniel 1 tells us in the third year of Jehoiakim king of Judah, the people of Judah did not repent of their sins and the Lord did as he promised. He delivered them along with their gold and silver bra- and bronze um, objects taken from the, from the temple of God, to King Nebuchadnezzar, which he took back to, the, to his own gods in, in Babylon, or Babylonia. But amongst those taken and enslaved in Babylonia were four young men. The scripture calls them, there were actually four, uh, well, there were more than four, but there were other young, gifted, qualified, and well-informed young men. But four in particular, which was Daniel, called Belshazzar, Ananiah, called Shadrach, Mishael, called Meshach, Azariah, called Abednego. They were trained for three years. They were taught the language and literature of the Babylonians. And because of their aptitude for learning and their display of wisdom, they distinguished themselves from all the other magicians and enchanters. And King Nebuchadnezzar chose them to serve in his palace. Years later, King Nebuchadnezzar, the King Nebuchadnezzar had a gold statue made, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and it was mounted in a province called Dura. And he commanded the people and, of every nation and language to bow to the ground and worship him when they hear the sound of the instruments, which were the lyre, the flute, and the horns. So what can we learn? So we're going to be looking at the stories, of this, the the, uh, the three guys in particular, Ananiah, which we call Um, Shadrach, Mishael which we call Meshach Azariah which we call Abednego we're going to be looking at those three lives and we're going to see as fathers what would God be saying to fathers this morning in particular one of the things I noticed when I read is that trials and sufferings are part of every human experience so whether you're a Christian or not you're going to experience trials and sufferings whether you are faithful or blameless you're going to experience suffering they are not unique to any person who confess Jesus as Lord. But will for Christians, there's a plan that God uses the trials and sufferings of every father, every woman, every mother who profess Christ as Lord. Jesus says it will achieve. Actually, Paul in 2 Corinthians 4:17 tells us that it will achieve an eternal glory that far outweighs the trials and sufferings that a believer will ever undergo. It's one of the other things that, that Peter says. Peter says, The trials and sufferings that our fathers will go through, that the believer in Christ will go through, will refine and prove the genuineness of their faith, which will result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So these three young men were enslaved, not because they were idolatrous, but because the people of Judah had sinned against God. Sometimes the suffering that you and I will go through, it has nothing to do with your action. It has nothing to do with the sin that you committed. It has to do with somebody who, as a result of their sinful decision, brought you into trial and suffering. So you're in a family... And the family continues or persists to do a particular sin. A father lives a sinful life. His children become the beneficiary of a sinful act. And trial and suffering that will come their way. A brother and sister in Christ live in a sinful way. It affects the congregation. Because everything that you do affects me. And whatever I do affects you. What about the country? The country in which we live, if we live in a sinful country that is constantly working in, in, in opposition to what God is saying. Look after the fatherless. Look after the widow, Look after the, the, the immigrants. Look after those who are poor. And God is saying, if you continue to, to do that, not only will those who make the decision suffer, but the occupants or the, 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 the people of the land will also suffer. What about the company in which you work? You're, you have a boss that will continue to do things that are not right. He will always be cooking the books or he'll always be cheating. And he says to you, go ahead and do that. And if you can't do it, he said you're going to lose your job. But God is talking to us this morning and he says, the thing that you may be going through in your life right now as a father, the loss of a child... The child who is wayward, where you do not know where that child is this morning. God is saying, maybe it's not because of what you do. But because somebody else's act. And so the the three young men were, were, were sent into Babylon. Not because they were sinful. But because the people of their land. The nation itself was a sinful nation. And God was saying, I'm judging a nation. And as a result of that, you must also be judged. God had equipped them with special abilities to succeed. So even though they were not the sinful ones, they were blameless in their action. God says, because your hearts were not hardened when I'm sending you into captivity, because I'm sending you in, you, you were not rebellious you are going to succeed. And what God did, God gave them a special ability so that they found favor in the eyes of their captives, of those who enslaved them. And so they flourished, and they, and, 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 and they, in the midst of their suffering, they flourished. They found favor. Ananiah, Meshach, and, and Azariah, or what we call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown in the fire, but Daniel was placed in the lion's den. So even you realize that your situation may look different from mine. We're going to be going through trials, and yours will look different from mine. I remember a friend of mine who was sick. And at the time, what I was going through, she said, I would never want to go through what you were going through. But the truth is, what she was going through, I would never want to go through. I prefer my problem to hers. And so I realize more and more that God equips us with the special abilities to go through and to handle our own seasons of suffering and pain. So your trial, as difficult as it may seem, you are specifically designed for it. God has equipped you with everything you need to succeed and to flourish and to endure the trials at work, to endure the trials at home, to endure the child even through a parent or a child or a spouse. The sickness that you will go through, the inability to pay bills, and the loneliness you may experience, God says, I have equipped you for that trial, for that suffering in, that, in the seasons that you find yourself in. Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were pressured to deny God, but they were unwilling to compromise their conviction. About their God, even in the face of death, and that's the same thing some of our fathers will go through. They will be comprom- they, they will be pressured to compromise their role as a father. no don't, don't, don't they, why, why do you want to spend time with your child? There are other things you can do. Why do you want to support your child work? if you work, the harder you work, and the more you can provide for that child um, financially. That should be enough, and God is saying no. A good father does not only provide financially. A good father is there to show tenderness and love and care. So, that child, you are the first representation of what that child would experience as a man's love, a father's love. And so, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even though they were pressured, they said, No, I am unwilling to compromise to what society says is the norm. I will not bow to any image even in the face of this even when it makes me look stupid i will not renounce my god and although they did not know god's will or god's plan they truly believed that their god was the one and only god and that he would he alone should be worshiped they had a good understanding and appreciation of god's great power and they knew that he's able to protect and rescue them from King Nebuchadnezzar. But they also had a great understanding of what it means to submit to God. So they understand that God had power and he, to protect them and to rescue them. But they also understood that we need to submit to him. That even if he does not deliver, even if he does not protect and rescue... He's still God. Even if he does not intervene in your suffering and your trial, they understood that they should remain faithful to him rather than to man. And even if your situation and my situation does not change, and our fathers I'm speaking to this morning, even if your situation does not change and God does not intervene, he's saying to you, Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They chose to remain faithful to me. So can you imagine being given an opportunity today to relieve you of your suffering? So think about the the trial that you are facing right now. If an opportunity comes and, and someone says to you, I can relieve you of all the problems you have right now. Only one thing I ask you to do is to renounce your conviction that Jesus is Lord. And believe that something else is God. It is simple. It is just one statement. I, I, just one statement. And the truth is many fathers have been living that way. By the mere fact that they have not yet accepted Christ as Lord. You have chosen to bow to something else. You have chosen to kneel and to worship something else. Maybe not 90 feet wide, tall and 9 feet wide. But something else has taken precedence in your life. Something else is your God that you are bowing to. But okay, you say you have surrendered your life to God and your situation is of such that you want God to deliver you like no. And someone comes and they give you a way out. You say if you only renounce. You don't have to actually bow your knees. You don't even have to actually say it with your mouth. You just do actions that are contrary to, to, to those persons who, who believe that Jesus is Lord. What would you do? The truth is, what would you do? Think about it. Can you say regardless of the outcome of your suffering that you would submit and trust God? Because for them it was, it was life. Life or death. Renouncing Jesus as Lord may add a couple more years to your life and to my life. But the truth is, our eternal reward is far more, is worth more than any suffering we may have had to endure. That's the truth. A lot of the things that you and I do not do or do not give in because our bodies and our flesh and persons around us may say, do this, and it sounds right, and it is what I want to do. But the truth is, I may, prolong, I, I may shorten that suffering by doing that, But what will it mean? What does it say in terms of my relationship with God? Can I truly stand before God and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. Even in the fire, I trust you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt no need to defend themselves because they did not doubt God's ability. And the truth is, you and I always, we, we want to say we are right. It is not fear. What is being done to me is not fear. I do not deserve it, and I need to do back to you what you're doing to me. And we are all tempted to do that, if we're honest. Actually, our culture encourages us to defend ourselves. Speak up for yourself. We children. Speak up. Speak up. Share share your thoughts. Don't keep it inside. Let them know where they are wrong. Justice must be done. But even in danger, those three young men chose to be still and trust God. Their lives were endangered. Their decision was unpopular. And to some, they looked like fools because why would I not renounce something to save my life? Why would I not do something else to keep me be, be, be happy? Why would I not do what is normally done just so that I can enjoy a couple hours of what we call happiness? So to the eyes of the onlookers, they were fanatics. To the eyes of the onlookers, they had no sense. Why would you stupidly not just, just bow just bow just do that one thing that one thing it's not going to take anything off you just do that one thing but they understood that their need not for them to defend themselves because the God they serve was able to defend them And so we see them going into the fire. We see King Nebuchadnezzar getting upset. And their their hands were tied. And they were thrown into the fire. It's actually said three times hotter than it normally is. But God was with them in the fire. God was with them in the fire. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, didn't we put three men in? Wasn't there place three men in the fire? But why am I now seeing four? Nebuchadnezzar saw four men in the fire. And then he even says, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? He said, look. I see four men walking around in the fire, abound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. What Nebuchadnezzar would know about God, what God looks like. But it shows you and I and our fathers who are listening that when we obediently trust God, even the onlookers who don't know God will see him. When we choose to be unpopular in our decisions, when everything inside of you is saying to you, do what culture or society says. The world says this is what you do. And you do everything opposite. Even those who are looking on, who don't know God, will see him. They will not only see you, they will see God in you and God around you. And God's favor on you. those boys would have desired not to be thrown into the fire. They would have desired not to even experience what it feels like to be in the fire. But the scripture says, the fire did not harm their bodies. Neither was the hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. What the enemy Meant for evil, God turns around for good. And so instead of being burned to death, they came out and others were able to see God. We can trust that God will always be with us in the fire. He will go through the difficult times with us because Isaiah 43 tells us that when we walk through the water, when we walk through the river, it will not pass over us and, and he will be with us. God will walk through the fire of oppression with you. He will walk through the fire of abuse with you. But you must be confident in your trust in him. The flames will never consume your souls. Imagine not even their hair, even the very hair on their head. Okay, fine. I understand you're in the fire and you may not be burnt, but not even the smell of the smoke on them to show that they experience fire. That's what God does. He takes you into situation, and He so protects you that others looking on can't even believe, but how come you are supposed to come out crazy? You're supposed to come out full of shame and guilt. You're supposed to come out worse than you went in. And the truth is, God says, those who confidently trust me, even in the fire, I will be with you. Our response and attitude glorifies God. And we saw that in the the boys. God was glorified in their suffering. King Nebuchadnezzar worshipped and praised the God of Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and decreed that the people of any nation who speak against their God would be killed and that their houses be destroyed. God is glorified in our problems. And the truth is, when you come out looking opposite than what you should look like, God is glorified. If you come out behaving differently than how you should have, God is glorified. If your conversation is different than what it should be, God is glorified. If your heart is not hardened as it should be, God is glorified. The truth is, everything that we do to show that we trust God, even in the fire, God is glorified. How have you been glorifying God in your sufferings and trials? Are people around you noticing in and acknowledging and worshiping God because your response to your trial is not what the world expects? The truth is, if your child dies as a father, and especially if the life is taken, you are supposed to be angry and want an eye for an eye. because It says an eye for an eye. You do to me and I do it back to you. The truth is, if you're in a situation, if you're if your job, if you're in a job and, and you're being constantly I'm going to use the word abuse for lack of a better word. The truth is you want to do it back, right? That coworker who brings news, that coworker who does what she does or does what he does, the truth is you can't wait to hear a bad thing happening to them. And then you can silently rejoice. And God is saying, no, that's not the attitude and the response that glorifies me. The truth is, you're going to be in situations each day. And it's going to be like fire. And while you're in that fire, it's going to be so distracting. Because the things that you need to do, you cannot do. Because there's no way you, I remember the other day I was ironing. And plugged out the iron, I don't know what I did, and the iron burnt me. The truth is, I felt that burn for a long portion of the day. And even the day after, while it was being healed, I still felt it. And that is what, when you're in the suffering, it does. That every time I move my hand, there's something to remind me that I I, I got burnt. And the same way life is, the sufferings and the trials that come our way, remind us while we're in it that you're in it. You cannot eat or you overeat. Because it's one of the two things. You cannot sleep or you're always sleeping. Because depression can look different ways. You're always sleeping or you lack sleep. You're always eating or you cannot eat. And God is saying to you and I this morning. In the fire, in the suffering when you stop to acknowledge me, when you confidently trust me, that even when you do not know the outcome, you do not know my will, you do not know my plan, when you trust me, when everything else around you seems that if it is bad, God is saying, trust me. I will be there with you. And even if I don't deliver you in that situation, even if I allow the worst thing to happen to you in that situation, My eternal reward for you is greater than living three extra days or living an extra week or a year. You and I, God chose the trials. Your trial is not mine and mine is not yours. And even if they look similar, trust me, we do not respond to them the same way. They do not feel the same way. They don't. Because I may experience something that I'm glad for, and you may experience something that you're sad for. Or you may go through something and say, oh, that's nothing. But for me, it is killing me. I'm dying. And so God knows what each of us can endure, and He will never give us more than we are able to bear. We can choose to get better or bitter in our trials. It's a choice. Better or bitter? Actually God allows trials for us to grow. 1 Peter 5.10 says after we have suffered a little while God himself will restore the child of God and make him or her strong, firm and steadfast. After you, we have suffered a little while a little while is what he called it. And for you, that little while may seem like a lifetime. But to God, it's a little while because of what he planned. Because remember, God sees eternity. We see only now. And he says, after you have suffered a little while, you will restore. 1 Peter 1, verse 6 tells us, That in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of troubles, trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. But the truth is God has a plan. God knows the outcome that he expects of every trial. He doesn't waste a trial. He knows what you and I are going to do, and he, and he has an expectation. He expects us to recognize that what we are going through is a light, momentary problem. And the good that he has for us far outweighs what we go through. But the truth is that when we are in it, it feels as if we are dying. It is possible to live a faithful life even in the season of trials and suffering. God is able to see you through. God is able to see me through. But even if He doesn't, the truth is He's still God. Because the outcome of our suffering, sometimes we, we, we are left disappointed. Sometimes they want the suffering to end that way or that particular way. And God is saying, no. It's not going to end the way you want it to end. And you are left disappointed. But God is saying that even if I do not work it out the way that you want me to work it out, I am still God. And if you trust me, what you will do, that you will develop a deeper level of trust and faith in me if you suffer well. What does it mean to suffer well? To suffer well is to trust God with the end result. To suffer well is to have the attitude and the, and, and the response that glorifies God. To suffer well is to say, God, even though you slay me, yet will I trust you. To suffer well says, God, I will not bow. I will not give in. I will not do what culture says or what society says. This is how you respond in this situation. Because the truth is, sometimes your, your flesh wants to respond that way. But God says the truth is, if you suffer well, you will grow in your relationship with me. Your trust level in me will spike. And so our fathers are listening this morning, and you may say this morning, you, you're having a baby mama problem. The truth is you would love to have spent today with your, with your daughter or your son. And with, a, with, with, a, with, a, with a, a, a baby mother who is saying, no, you can't even have access to call. And the truth is you said, you know what? I wish, I, I, you have your plans, the things you, you wish she would die. You wish she would have stirred up dead. An ex-wife, whatever it is. Maybe you wish that the end result of her would have been that you would end up with your child and God is saying you know what the truth is she's gonna live and not die for now the truth is your suffering may be a little bit longer but if you trust me look at how I will redeem it and I remember even as I said that I remember uh, uh, an actual real, real person that I know who had problems. I remember every time he found out where his, 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 his son was living. And he would go there. Within that very short time, the mother would move. And he was always there trying. The child was very, very young, but I remember the day the child got to the age of 16, where it's no longer mommy who makes the calls. And I remember the age of, I think it was 18 or 20, the child took a, took a trip to be with his father. What could have replaced that then? No, nothing. The time spent, yes, all the years would have been lost, but the Lord has a way of redeeming the time if you trust him. Amen. So I don't know what your trial is today or what your suffering looks like. You may be at work. You may be with a child. You may be at home. It may be on your job. We don't know. It may be a co-worker. We don't know what... I don't know what your trial is. But God is saying to you and I this morning, if you trust me, if you confidently put your trust in me, the truth is you will have a deeper level of faith. If everything that you're working out and you're working on, look as if when you come to it is like a roadblock, the more you think you would have made it and when you get to that point... There is something again that is required and needed. And, and it feels as if the suffering feel like as long as you can remember you're struggling and battling in this trial. God is saying to you, like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego I am in the fire with you. And those around you will see me because of your response. Will you trust God today in the fire? Will you be unpopular and trust God in the fire? Will you look like a fool to those who are looking on you and trust God in the fire? Even to yourself, you're going to look like a fool sometimes because the truth is you don't want the outcome. Will you trust God in the fire today? Because he's calling us to trust him the song says I will be still and know that you are God and to be still is to say God is not my way but your way is Lord everything I do will be because of what you want me to do Lord the truth is my heart, has my, I have my own desire, the truth is we all have our own desires but the truth is, we're saying to you, Lord, for me to say I trust you. For me to say, God, that I trust you even in the fire, it means that I must be still and recognize that it is you are God. It's not the 90 feet tall and the 9 feet wide thing that I'm looking at. Because the trials sometimes look that big, it looks as if I can't make it. If I don't do it. If I don't bow my knees. If I don't do the opposite thing. I really can't make it. I can't survive. And God is saying to you this morning. My child. Be still. Do not renounce me. In your actions or in your thoughts. But be still and know that I am God. so I just want you this morning. Just go before the Lord. Present to him your struggle because the truth is they say trials are of such that either you're in one coming out of one or you're going to be going into one. I don't know where you are. Maybe you just came out of one and you're on top of the mountain looking down on creation and you're wondering what is she saying or the truth is you have been out of it for so long that you have been so bowing to, to, the, to the idols of Nebuchadnezzar that you can't even realize that you are, you are in a trial because the trial is that you are far away from God and you don't even realize and God is saying to you please come to me this morning with your trial and your suffering present it to me I promise you that I'll be in the fire with you and Father the truth is Lord the outcomes we do not know the truth is Lord your will and your plan for our life sometimes we do not desire but we will be still this morning and trust that you are God that you are all knowing that you know all things that no good thing will you withhold from us Because we love you and we walk upright. Not because of our own strength, but because you walk with us each day and you empower us to walk. Your truth says, Father, I can't even walk without you holding my hands. The mountains are high, the valleys are low and deep. God, I can't walk without you holding my hand. That's the truth, God. I cannot make a decision. That is favorable or or one that you would have wanted me to make without you holding my hand. The truth is, Lord, I want to do things my way. And even in the trial and the suffering, God, I am trusting you. I am trusting you. I am trusting you today, Sunday, Lord, and I am vowing to trust you tomorrow, Monday. I am trusting you, Father, God, that though the outcome and what it looks like each day may not necessarily be what I want to be living in or want to be enduring. I am saying to you, Father, I am trusting you. Though my situation around me may cause me to be distracted, I am trusting you. Though the truth is, Lord, I need to be revengeful, I am trusting you. The truth is, Father, I need to give up all hope in you, but I am trusting you. The truth is, Father, God, I, need to, I, 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 I may feel ashamed, but I am trusting you. The truth is, Father, God, I need to revenge, be revengeful, but I'm trusting you. The truth is, Father, that I do not know what to do. I do not know where to turn, but I'm going to ask you, I'm asking you today to help me to trust you. Because it's only when I trust you that I grow deeper in my relationship with you. It's the only way when I trust you, God, that those looking on will marvel are what God is able to do, and the Father, I just give you thanks, I just praise you, Lord. You are the good, good Father. let us be quiet before the Lord and share with him your thoughts your struggle may not be mine but mine is also not yours but he has the know-how, he has the remedy and the strategy for every trial and suffering you may face and he knows how to handle he knows how to solve he knows what to do he knows the remedy He knows. Our God knows.
0: So if you're out there this morning and you do not know the Lord as Savior, This is an opportunity to run to the good father. This is an an opportunity to bow your knees to the king of kings. To recognize that you cannot do it alone. That whatever it is, you cannot bow to society. You cannot bow to the ways of the world. You cannot bow to mammon. You have to bow to the king of kings. And if this morning is a morning where you choose to say, Lord, I believe I am a sinner. And I'm inviting you into my life. That you, Lord, can take the driver's seat. You can lead me where you want me to go. I believe you died for my sins. You came, died on the cross, and resurrected on the third day. And if you have prayed that prayer with me, feel free to call us. That we may further walk you through the process. That we may walk with you, that we may pray with you. You may call us at 469-333-0397. We're available for prayer. If you wish to email us, you may email your prior request at newhorizonmin at gmail.com. We are willing to pray with you and pray through the situations that you're going through. So, Father, we pray, Lord God, as Pastor Eva preached, Lord God, that you would pour back into her all that she have poured out, that you would give her pressed down, shaken together more than she can even think or imagine, Father God, that you may fill her cup and overflow it. Lord God, that the favor of God and the favor of man will be with her that she will be blessed in her going out and in her coming in, that her bread and her water will be blessed, that her household will be blessed, that you, Lord, may be glorified in and through her, that her generations will call her blessed, that every member of her generation will come to know you as Lord and as Savior, that they will not bow the king of this world but they will bow to Jesus Christ of Nazareth who came and died for our sins so we would like to wish you to go in peace that you will be blessed, the Lord will bless and keep you, that his face may be shined up on you and be gracious unto you (laughs) The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the peace of Christ dwell, rest remain in your heart. That you may know the height, the depth, the breadth, the length and the width of the love of Christ. Be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Trials come